This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Patrick Malatek from Twilio about the company's coverage globally and in Asia. We discuss how the Twilio's platform have evolved in the past few years and the interesting business applications and his perspectives on product management. Hi Patrick. How you doing? I'm well and we're sitting in an Italian restaurant in Purvis Street and thanks for hosting me. I'm talking to Patrick Malatek, Vice President Product Management from Twilio. Currently is public listed, have done over 250 million revenues last quarter and market cap of $3.16 You are here on a fact-finding mission about Asia and Twilio is a very interesting company, a tech company, and they do focus on communications. But before we get to the main subject of the day, I would like to get to know you better. How did you get started in your career? Yeah, so I got started in tech actually straight out of college. So I did my undergraduate and graduate degree at Carnegie Mellon in, in Pittsburgh. I studied cognitive science and human-computer interaction and really love building products. And I actually sort of got that from the human-computer interaction experience, but really trying to take a look at how people interface with digital products and how that can change people's lives. And so got really excited about that while I was in college and left from Carnegie Mellon and joined Microsoft, was there for almost five Five years working on project server, uh, SharePoint server, and then a few things in core office suite around OneNote. So went from Microsoft, joined Twilio in, in 2011, and have been here ever since. That's pretty at the early stage of the company, right? To the point it goes IPO. So I, I remember, I think the, the, it was in San Francisco, 2nd Street. Yep. Then you were there right at the beginning. So moving from Microsoft to Twilio, what are the interesting career lessons you can share? Yeah, so quite a contrast moving from Microsoft to Twilio. I think one of the first things you encounter is that the processes and procedures that are in place at a large organization like Microsoft at a small startup, they don't exist. And sometimes that's for the better, sometimes that's for the worse. Without having had the Microsoft experience that I had, I don't think I would appreciate the things that were missing that were really, really valuable. Uh, and so, so, yeah, so it was quite, quite a contrast, though, going from an organization where there was a, a lot of process, a lot of planning, to an organization where, you know, folks would say, like, great, we have this idea. It's like, okay, let's ship it tomorrow. And as we've evolved over the years, having had the experience at, at Microsoft has been really, really useful because a lot of that rapid ability to create and build product is super important to maintain as you grow and scale. But you want to make sure that you layer in the right process at the right point in time, not just putting in process for process sake, but putting in the right processes where it actually helps your customer and helps improve the product line. Which comes to the main topic of the day because I'm a user of Twilio at the very early days and now moving from startup to corporation, I'm still thinking about the product. You have come to Asia Pacific to actually fact find and try to understand how people are using Twilio as a product. But before that, I want to get you to explain to my audience, can you provide an overview of the company Twilio to our audience? Yeah, so, you know, you may not have heard of Twilio before, but you, you may have already used Twilio. In fact, you may have even used Twilio today. So, so Twilio is a cloud communications platform. Uh, and what that means is we are uh, an API-based platform for creating communication experiences as, par- as part of any application that you've built. You could really sort of think about Twilio the same way you think about what Amazon and AWS does for compute or what Stripe does for payments. Uh, Twilio is that, but for communications. And when you actually look at the size of the communication market as, as compared to, let's say, data centers 
or payments. Communication is actually one of the largest markets on the planet. You know, if you think about business, right, a large part of what we call business today is really companies communicating directly with their customers. And so Twilio really makes it easy for you as a company to integrate communications into whatever your business processes. So if you've ever gotten a text message when you've logged into, to, let's say, something like Box, that's Twilio. If you've ever called your Uber driver as the, the car was pulling up, that's Twilio. So we're part of many of the applications that folks use every day, but you may not know that we're, we're there. We're sort of in the background as an infrastructure provider creating these new differentiated experiences. In fact, if you're on the developer side, you probably would have encountered Twilio most of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So for, for developers, uh, many folks know, know about us, but for sort of consumers at large, we're, we're sort of uh, in the background doing our thing, uh, powering a lot of these communication experiences. So I remember in the early days, I used Twilio as an API to do voice to data messaging and back. So I think the, the company itself have evolved much more complex. I think during the lunch, we were talking about this together with a couple of the other digital leads here. So can you give an overview of what are the interesting products and services now Twilio offer to the customers? Yeah, so Twilio started actually with voice. Uh, voice was the first place, that, first product line that, that Twilio introduced. Uh, and then we added messaging, which a lot of folks think about Twilio as a messaging company. We added that in, in uh, 2010. Uh, but we've continued to evolve the product from there. So Twilio now does both voice and messaging. We introduced video in 2015. We introduced a product called TaskRouter, which allows you to actually build things like contact centers, multi-channel contact centers, doing both messaging, voice, and agent to customer communications as part of your application as well. Twilio also has a product line called Twilio Wireless, which is actually SIM cards now that you can include in your IoT devices. And more recently, Twilio has introduced a, a couple new products, one of them called Notify, which is, allows you to do multi-platform notifications. So iOS, Android, uh, you can send notifications into places like Facebook Messenger, as well as SMS. So we've really added a whole bunch of new product lines over the years, helping businesses basically address any of their communication workloads with Twilio's APIs. In fact, just now during the lunch, we talk a little bit about chat. Do you want to talk about the chat service that you have as well? Yeah, so Twilio introduced a, a new product called Programmable Chat. And what Programmable Chat is, it's a set of iOS, Android, and JavaScript-based APIs. So, so you can include chat into any application or service. And Twilio solves all the complexities of building chat. You know, anytime you want to include something like chat into your customer experience so that you have the context of your application, you need to go ahead and build a lot of problems that, that you run into in building chat experiences. Uh, one of them is things like typing indicators, having sort of mil sub, you know, 10 millisecond latencies to send messages from one party to another. Knowing things like presence, who's online, who's not, these are problems that you know, every developer that wants to include chat as part of their application used to need to solve themselves. But with Twilio Programmable Chat, you can actually just take an SDK right off the shelf and Twilio will solve all of these problems for you as part of it. Now, Twilio, our approach to how we build these comms products is they're developer first. So they are SDKs. They aren't a, you know, a sort of consumer chat offering or anything like that. But it's an SDK that you can embed in your application so you can enable these type of differentiated customer experiences. So Twilio is trusted among global brands. For example, you have mentioned Airbnb and Uber, which uses Twilio as a call of the service on the back end. Would you want to talk about other global brands, maybe in the more traditional space, how do they use Twilio as some examples? Yeah, so, so many of the, the, the startups of the world are using Twilio today. Uber and Airbnb are sort of great examples, probably outgrown the startup moniker at this point. But 
But Twilio is also actually used by some of the largest or more traditional organizations on the planet, right? Uh, folks like ING Bank uh, actually have built their entire contact center infrastructure all on top of Twilio, multi-channel with contact centers in 17 different countries around Europe. They've chosen Twilio to power those experiences so that they could build one unified platform for every market that they operate in. So ING is a good example. A retailer called Nordstrom uh, in the United States is actually uh, uses Twilio to bridge customers with in-store sales reps. Uh, at Nordstrom, they'll basically assign you a personal shopper that can help understand your shopping preferences and, and your style taste. And you can text them at any point in time. Really, when you're texting that uh, shopper, what you're actually doing is you're texting Twilio. And that way then Nordstrom gets a list of information around you know, what type of shoes you like, what your sizes are, uh, what styles you're interested in. And Nordstrom is actually able to index that and understand your shopping preferences as you communicate with your shopper. Even brands like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is actually using us to dispatch folks repair technicians when you know the Coke machine's running out of Coke or running into a problem. They'll notice things like, hey, you know, it, it's the the Coke isn't as cold as it used to be. Some sensor will read out, great. So it looks like uh, the refrigerant is, is, is the refrigerator is broken, uh, and they'll actually dynamically dispatch a technician to go fix that Coke machine before the thing even fails. And so, so that just sort of gives you an idea of some of the variability from, you know, retail experience to, you know, a company like Coca-Cola to banking. Really, our customers are across every vertical you can imagine because every company on earth needs to be able to build great customer experiences. And that means embedding communications in part of their application. So you have been come to Asia. I want to understand a little bit what is the current coverage of Twilio in Asia Pacific then? Yeah, so Twilio has been expanding our uh, coverage around the globe for some time now. Actually, the first country we launched outside of uh, the United States was back in 2011. Uh, we launched Canada, then we expanded to the UK. Uh, and now we're actually in 60 different countries around the globe. And we have now offices in Hong Kong, office here in Singapore, and have been growing our product and growing our presence uh, all throughout the region. Uh, so we're continuing to expand, and we, we run actually a, a point of presence out of uh, uh, AWS in, in Singapore here. We also have a, a point of presence in Tokyo as well. Twilio has been expanding into Asia aggressively over the last few years. Yeah, it's great to be here meeting with some customers and learning about some of the differences in this region versus uh, elsewhere around the, around the globe. So I was one of those customers who were just sitting on, we're having that conversation just now about Twilio and customization of products in Asia Pacific. What have you learned so far about the Asia Pacific market and what do you think how Twilio is going to have some customization within the products to suit this market then? Yeah, I think probably the, the first thing that I've noticed in, in Asia and from talking from folks is that it, you can't just talk about Asia. Really, every country is uh, quite a bit different. It's not sort of a, a homogenous market the same way that the, you know, the United States is. And even, even Europe is much more homogenous than, than Asia. And so really it's about understanding local preferences in each of the different countries around Asia. Every country has different levels of development that they're in and different set of customer expectations in those markets. And so listening to folks here and understanding how they're tackling with different techniques each country has been really, really eye-opening. You can't run the same playbook everywhere in Asia. You really need to look at what folks are doing in, in each market uh, and adapt your, your product accordingly. So we've been taking some notes here and learning about you know, how folks do things in Singapore versus how they do them in Indonesia, some of the challenges and the, the opportunities of customizing and, and tailoring the product to those markets. Can you share some interesting case studies where Twilio has successfully done with clients in Asia then? 
Yeah, so we were actually chatting earlier today with a company called Trope, and Trope allows folks to basically do table reservations at restaurants all throughout Asia. They use Twilio to make sure that there's a confirmation of the table, so they'll automate a call after you've booked your reservation. They'll automate a call to the diner and make sure that they're still going to show up at that seat, at that restaurant, at that point in time. So, you know, they've adapted and used Twilio's product to make sure that it supports the right languages in each of the different regions. But yeah, it's a, a neat product that uh, allows you to book online with a bunch of different local restaurants. They actually make it much more efficient, both for the restaurant and for the diner. The restaurant gets the benefit of knowing that when someone books, they'll actually show up. Chope reminds them to go to the restaurant and actually gives them an IVR where they can say like, great, I need to cancel tonight because something came up. Uh, and that, that's actually a great experience for the restaurant too because they get immediately alerted when someone cancels and they can use that table for other diners and, and make sure that there's not an empty table in their, their restaurant. I wanted to zoom into the other two products that you were talking about just now. One of them is video. Can you talk a little bit about what Twilio is doing in video? Because this is something that is not very commonly known within the digital leaders in Asia Pacific. Yeah, so Twilio introduced a, a new video SDK a couple of years back now. We've been working on this for a long time, but what it allows us to do is actually we create an SDK that allows anyone to enable embedded video in any application or service that they have. We're seeing a ton of traction with this product line in places like telemedicine, bridging you know, a doctor to a patient. We're seeing a lot of folks in the tutoring and education space allowing a teacher to talk with a student over video. You know, Many communication experiences where you want something like healthcare or like education, where you want a high bandwidth, very, very interactive experience, video is a, a better option. And with Twilio's video SDKs, folks are able to integrate those into whatever their application experience is. One of the other niches that's come up is actually recruiting, helping facilitate job interviews, where you know traditionally folks would jump off into Skype and have a, a job interview and then come back and you know, type notes into a, a tool and everybody would need to, you know, uh, friend each other on Skype and, and it was a, a complex process. Now you can actually just embed that video experience as part of whatever that tool is that, that you're using. So video is one of our new product lines. We're seeing a lot of really, really interesting use cases come up on, on the video side of things. The second one was on chat. I think just now we had a conversation and everybody is building their own chat. But actually, I think the problem is just that everybody's worried about data. What do you do, like for example, in the case of ING, where you're able to do that? Yeah, so one of the, the concerns that, that comes up from customers quite a bit is you know data privacy and making sure that their customer data, they're in control of. Uh, and you know one of the interesting things that ING has done with Twilio's chat product uh, is they actually use a partner of ours to encrypt all the data that comes in and out of Twilio. So they've deployed our chat SDKs, but Twilio actually isn't able to see any of the data at rest. So we don't know what the customer support reps are talking to their customers about. And Twilio is actually still providing the SDK, still providing capabilities like typing indicators and presence. But we actually don't know what the conversation is about because ING encrypts that and Twilio basically passes back and forth that encrypted data. Twitter is going to have a lot more footprint in Asia and through your experience, what would you think would be some of the best practices you would recommend to people who are using Twitter then? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, really for folks, the first thing I'd say is make sure you're treating your customers like humans. <laughs> and to sort of take one step further around that, you know, ask yourself anytime you're building a product experience, you know, would you do this with your friend? You know, I always talk to folks about hold music that, that people end up on a call with a, a bank or, or someone else that some other business they're trying to communicate. Like, how many times have you ever placed a friend on hold? You'd never put a friend on hold, right? You'd say, hey, I'm not available right now. How about I call you back in an hour? 
right? Uh, and if those are the ways that we interact with one another, businesses should adapt to those approaches and enable and interact with their customers in the same way. And really the customers that are deploying with Twilio today, what they're focused on is building great communication experiences as part of whatever application or service they're offering. The single thing that is in common across all those customers is that they're treating humans the way humans ought to be treated, right? They aren't trying to force their customers to adapt to their business practices. They're adapting to the needs of their customer. They're you know, leveraging multiple different channels. If customers want a message, they'll support messaging. If customers want to talk to someone because they get some peace of mind to have hear a voice on the other end, they'll integrate voice into that communication experience. And so I think that the big thing that we've observed from our customers is that the ones that are successful are the ones that focus on making their communication experiences even when they are with a business, as human as possible, uh, similar to how you would communicate with a friend, they're making those experiences the part of their business to customer comps. So I, I guess the Twitter is going to have a lot more presence in Asia. But before we conclude, I want to talk to you because very rarely there's a vice president from product management is in Asia. So I thought maybe we'd have a conversation on product management since I also manage a lot of products as well. So you have evolved from a product manager to someone who's now overseeing a slew of products. What are the key traits of a good product manager that you see are important that you can advise? Yeah, so one of the key things we talk about when we're hiring product managers and a key attribute of PMs that have been successful at Twilio is really we say we hire for athletes. And what that means is we hire folks that maybe are not good at a particular sport, but they're very athletic and they can learn sports pretty rapidly. Uh, and I'd say that the, the one thing that has been common of all PMs at, at Twilio is you don't know exactly what problem you're going to solve until you actually sit down with customers and start understanding what their needs are. And, and so really the most important thing to think about when you're hiring product managers is you want folks that are customer focused, that are able to listen and learn, but that are adaptable, that aren't trying to just run the same playbook they've run before, right? Uh, and so we, we try and hire for athletes first that are adaptable and able to learn very, very quickly from customers and put them in, in positions to you know, build products at, at Twilio. So we also focus on technical PMs. So you know, adaptable folks, typically with technical backgrounds, just sort of the nature of our product. It's a developer product. And so you know, if you've not built software before, if you've not been a developer, it's hard to sort of understand the needs of the customer. So many of our product managers are sort of ex-engineers that uh, came over the dark, dark side of product uh, uh, later on in their careers. But how, how does a good product manager actually balance between business and technology needs? I guess you talk about the learning agility and the flexibility of a good product manager. Yeah. Where, where, how do they make that balance? Then? Yeah, so I mean, the, the big thing we always talk about is starting with why. Right. So sitting down with customers and, you know, there's one of the sort of failure modes of, of product management that I've seen is folks that just listen to what the customer says they want. Right. One of the, the key things of a good product manager is to not just say, not just do what a customer asks for, but to really understand why, to understand what's the root problem that customers are running into, sort of distill that down into its most simple form, and then work backwards from that problem into you know, what we can do to solve that problem and perhaps a, a class of other problems as well. Uh, and so you know, I, the way I describe it is don't just understand what a customer wants, understand what their problems are, and really, really figure out for yourself what you can build for them working backwards from what their problem is. And so one of the best things I advise for anybody that, that's interested in product management, actually spend a bunch of time in support. 
spend a bunch of time with customers on site building. Uh, that's the best way to understand what those problems are and to make sure that that is making its way into the, the product. Mm. Product management have changed in the last decade because of the lean startup methodology and any other new design practices that come in. How do you see product management change in the next five years? Yeah, so product management has changed a lot. In fact, one of the big things we do at Twilio, we actually encourage our engineers to be involved with our customers as much as possible as well. Uh, so it's really not just you know product manager understanding their requirements and writing a spec. It's really actually the entire team that we want to understand the needs of the customer and the, the entire team that we want to drive innovation on, on behalf of, of those customers. I'd say the one big thing that's been happening in product management is folks are going more and more and more analytical as more and more offerings are you know, SaaS-based services or you know, platform-as-a-service like Twilio and, and AWS. Really, data and insight into what your customers are doing actually lives in your own data systems. More and more PMs are becoming competent at data science and using data science as a tool to make sure that they're making the right product decisions. It's not just about talking to customers directly. It's about also looking at the things customers don't say, but they do with their actions and, and the way that they use your product. And so it's a balancing of what are customers saying, what are customers you know, willing to pay for, what are you hearing from support teams, but also what are you seeing in the data. And getting better at doing analysis and understanding and unlocking the power of data is something that I think is increasingly a critical skill set for anybody in, in product management. So thank you so much for coming here and talk to me about product management Twilio in Asia Pacific and also share some of your insights on the subject matter itself. So my last question to you, how do my audience find you? Yeah, so folks can uh, find me on Twitter at Patrick Malatak. They can find Twilio at Twilio.com. I would encourage everyone to sign up, create an account. It's free to get started and take a look at our SDKs. If you want to embed communications into uh, your application or service, uh, Twilio is definitely the, the way to do that. Yeah, shoot me a note on Twitter, sign up for Twilio and uh, get started building. And you can find me at bleungsi.com. Subscribe to us on Analyze Asia on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast and tune in. And also now we are on Google Play in the US. You can also drop me a comment and of course leave me lots of feedback. Once again, Patrick, thank you for coming on the show. Great, thanks for having me. It's great to be here in Singapore.